Hello everybody, welcome, welcome. I'm your host Kimberly Pinkston and welcome to Her Story. Tonight we have a very special guest. Her name is Alicia Richardson. She is the Interim Chief Diversity Officer and who better to help us navigate how to manage our blackness, okay? So, um, she is, she's the, uh, chief, the interim chief diversity officer at SUNY college up in Schenectady, New York. She is all of that in a bag of chips. She received the capital district leadership council on inclusion and multicultural service award in 2018. She also received the, uh, state university of New York chancellor's award for, um, faculty service. She's a Master's of Arts in Africana Studies, and she has her Bachelor's in the Art of English. So, without any further ado, you guys, let's welcome, let's welcome Queen, Queen, Alicia Richardson. Hey, beautiful! How are you? Oh, there we go. Let me unmute. I'm yes, good, thanks. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So this should be fun conversation, girlfriend, okay? Because yeah, we yeah. would really talk about some things and upset the apple cart, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so like I told everybody, this is like your expertise. You know what I mean? You you deal with diversity, inclusion, and all of those wonderful and difficult things at the same time. So the topic tonight we're going to talk about is like managing our blackness. Mm. Do we have to? But sometimes we should, right? <laughs> so, so let's go. How do we, where does that term even come from? What, you know? You know, when I was starting to prepare for this and think through some things, just, you know, mulling some things over, I thought a lot about what blackness is and how blackness mm -hmm. shows up right so our blackness is is you know how we express ourselves it's, it comes through in our culture and the way we move and the way we dance and the way we speak um and the way we laugh and the way we tweet because i love me some black twitter right and yeah, okay. the way we you know what i mean the way we get on social media the way we are it's beautiful right. it is, um, it is. and it makes people uncomfortable and I, you know, and I kept going back to, you know, something that I said earlier to you, you know, in a prior conversation and think something I say all the time, I'm not managing my blackness. I'm trying to find peace in my blackness. I'm trying to find mm. rest. I'm trying to find joy. Yes. Um, yes. I'm trying to find the things and be the things that my ancestors didn't get to be in their blackness. And so for me, you know, I, I move... I try to make sure that I'm moving in a space where I'm, I am myself wherever I am. And awesome. that includes my blackness. And I had a, you know, I had a group of students in front of me um, this week and I told them the same thing. And I said, look, it's a journey. I said, if you ask 21 year old me, I would totally say, yes, you have to manage your blackness. You have to know when to say what and how to say what, but me in my thirties, mm. no, I'm not doing it <laughs> because you know what? Because at the end of the day for me, it was, it was, I was losing pieces of myself, right? Yeah. I was losing pieces of myself as a result. And, you know, as, as one of my favorite phrases, they say, you know, we're losing recipes, right? We're losing mm -hmm. things. 
<laughs> and when you try to manage your blackness, I think to some degree you you begin to to allow white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism take away pieces of yourself. You do, you do. I mean, and and I know coming growing up like I did. <laughs> At some point in time, you thought that you needed to mm -hmm. just to get to that upward mobility level, yeah. you know what I mean? And then um, when events of the day or of the world happen pertaining to us, then you're just, it, it's like, you're just, it's just caught up in you. You can't really say what you want to say because you're trying not to offend the status quo right. and, you know, and you're, you know, and you're trying to maintain your, your balance there. So sometimes you just have to leave and go walk outside and come back yeah. in to, to get a grip, you know, and all those type of things, you know? So um, I, I noticed that I was reading an article where it says um, the managing of the, of blackness is far more difficult for black men than it is for, for women. Because those who make it to the middle class are always suppressing who they really are. You, you know what I mean? They have to maintain that walk because, you know, you have you already have the stereotypes that go on, um, you know, what the others believe about us or think they know about us. And then for a black man to even make it to middle management or upper, man, upper management, it, you know, I would believe that they're having some internal struggles there. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, Du Bois talks about it, right? W. Du Bois talks about it, that two-ness, right? That, mm -hmm. that double consciousness um, and that understanding of who you are and how society sees you and making a decision about who you're, who, who you're going to present yourself as. And I, I agree, I do think it is harder for men um, because blackness, I think blackness and masculinity are often um, connected with and, and seen as threatening, mm -hmm. right? So black men can't be too masculine, can't be too black because they're threatening the way people see the world and the way people see them, right? And the way people understand themselves. So yeah, I do, I have two brothers and I definitely think that they have to manage their blackness and, and in a way that allows them to thrive. And, and that, you know, of course that angers me, that upsets me. Um, yeah. You know, I remember very distinctly, you know, my brothers growing up as athletes and having to make decisions about what they wore, um, you know, how they dressed, what they had in their car. All of these things are all about respectability politics and making sure that you don't come off as a threat in any given situation because your blackness is threatening. Um, and making mm -hmm. those connections is, is a part of adolescence for mm -hmm. us, right? We know we have, we all have that conversation, um, about who you are in, in, in certain spaces with your parents, with your family, with everything. And you learn how to navigate those places. And I think it's important that you do. I don't want to make it seem as though I don't think that, um, you you know everybody just be who they are wherever they are i do think that's important i think liberation that's where liberation lies you know what i mean right. but i do understand when people are figuring out and learning where to be and how to be in certain spaces i think yeah. that's that's important too because i think it's a part of the journey to your understanding of liberation right because my understanding of liberation in terms of my blackness is not the same as yours 
Right. Right. That's really important. It's really important for us to understand in my mind that liberation might look different for different black people. And and it does, because I think it differs from generation to generation. Mm. I mean, I was um, I grew up in the 60s. So, you know, the way we were taught, you know, we we hadn't quite overcome. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, and some of us still had to go through the back door to go to the doctors or to go to the bathroom or drink out of a colored water fountain. Yeah. You know, of all of these things. So in our teaching, it was like, you know, if you don't have to upset the apple cart, baby, don't do it. You you know what I mean? But it didn't in within all of that, I say, um, there was like my my mom who and my dad who insisted that, you know, we learn, you know, about our history. Like I had told you earlier, Swahili, you know, the, all about the Black Panthers, African dance. I mean, because that was the era that I grew up in, you know, so it was it's it's different. It was different for us. And so we had that that balance where we, you know, knew how to per se act with the whites. And then, you know, how we could be ourselves when we're amongst our own people, because there was a real thin line there. I mean, I remember us going to school and when uh, Martin Luther King died, we were escorted to school by the National Guards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the difference there, you know, you know, like like you and and my daughters, they're just like, look, it is what it is. And we're going to let you know what it is, you you know, and, and and that's how it is. And and even in that, I admire you guys for that. Do you know what I mean? Because you're at that place where the ancestors have paved the way that you can be like, look, exactly. Say, say what you're going to say, mean what you're going to say, own what you're going to say, you know, and walk in that truth. No, I'm very aware of the fact that the reason why I have the ability to walk into a room and be exactly myself is because my mother didn't get the opportunity to, and my grandmother didn't get the opportunity to. Right. And that's right. why it's so important for me, I think, to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. to say, if you are only going to accept me through a lens that in a way that that makes you the most comfortable, I'm out of here. Right. And that's and that in of itself is a privilege. And I know that, right? Like, I understand (laughs) where I'm coming from. I understand that my understanding of not having to manage my blackness is a privilege in and of itself. That's not wasted on me. Um, And so that's why I understand when people feel as though they have to. I get it. I get that. But in the meantime, I'm going to be myself because my grandmother didn't get to and my mother didn't get to. And if you right. don't like it, that's too bad. I'll find somebody who does. And yes. I think that's really that's really interesting part of it too. You know, there are workspaces, there are you know spaces because I think people people tend to think that they have to manage their their blackness the most in workspaces, right? Where they're getting paid, yeah, <laughs> right? Like that's where they feel like they're, that's right. where they manage their blackness the most. Um, <laughs> but for me, I'm thinking, you know what? If, if and I understand, trust me, I understand it's coming from a place of privilege. If right. you don't like me the way that I am, I can go someplace else, right? You if you are asking me to show up as someone that I am not, and you don't understand how exhausting that is, you don't understand how that's picking away at my soul, you don't understand how that affects me mentally, Right. then I'll find some place that will allow me to be exactly who I am. Exactly. There you go. Or, you know, Create your own table and sit down yourself. Right. 
Right? <laughs> and that's the lovely thing about living in this time. So many Black people are creating their own tables, are creating their own spaces. Yes. They get to be exactly who's they, you know what I mean? Who they are. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, and, and those are the options, you know, and a lot of us are opting for that choice, right. you know, to be free and to be able to speak freely and say exactly what you mean. And, and it's okay that you feel the way that you feel. But my thing now is with the, the turn of the tide, it seems like um, politics or politicians or whatever they are, are trying to set us, take us back to Jim Crow era especially with um, children being taught in school that yeah. they were not um, from enslaved people, but they were involuntary and voluntarily relocated. <laughs> yeah. Girl, girl, right, I nearly right, right, right. out when I heard that. And, I, and, and so I wonder and I worry about the managing of the blackness with the kids because don't think they don't know the truth. And so what happens when they decide to speak truth to power? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's just like it, it has a serious trickle down effect when you, when you know, it's the, it's the black men, it's the black women, it's the black kids. Imagine going to school knowing that all these years before the crazies got in office that you were, you know, your ancestors were enslaved and now they weren't enslaved. You were just, they were involuntarily relocated. So right. w what does that mean? Because kids are going to ask that question. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the first thing I thought of was, was anger, right? The first thing I think about is anger oh, and yeah. um, how so many people, so many black people in so many spaces feel as though they have to manage that. Mm -hmm. And how as a child, if I were in a space and I heard somebody talk about the fact that my ancestors were ancestors were enslaved and that it was, you know, involuntary or some some, you know, obligatory <laughs> term that, you know, what I mean, that's just ridiculous. My first instinct would be to be is to be angry and to express right. that anger. Right. Um, I think when we don't, again, we are losing something and. I don't, I wonder about what that looks like. I wonder about what that looks like in the classroom. I wonder about what that looks like, you know, with your friends. I wonder about what that looks like in general. But what I do know is it has to be done. Yeah, but, and, and I'm, I'm there with you on that because I often wonder what that looks like. I mean, the, the undoing of the true history is to make white children feel more comfortable so they don't feel bad. But what about the black and brown kids? who know the truth, right. how are they supposed to feel when their parents and their grandparents and great grandparents, when the, the stories have been passed down from generation to generation. So what the whole history, their whole history is a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and do you, and are they sent to the principal's office because they disagree with what you're teaching them? Then we have a whole nother can of worms that would deal with you. You know what I mean? Because they yeah. know the truth and you're trying to tell them that that's not how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's you really know, how scary. How do you have to manage being black when they should be able to be a black kid? Yeah. You, yeah. You know, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. It is very disturbing. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like nobody's really, you know, looking at this as a whole. I mean, it's enough for grown black people and believe me girl growing up and and sometimes having having been the only black person in the office because i was that token 
-hmm. you know what I mean? And um, tiptoeing around and then they don't understand the code. So that was good because you wouldn't know when you were being read or not because you didn't know what I was saying. You mm -hmm. just said, oh, you're funny. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? But, it, it, you know, and then you've got kids now that you're trying to take them back to that era. To, I, I mean, I think that this trying to manage the blackness is just a little too much. You know, it's just like we should all be say it loud. We're black and we're proud and we should be able to do and speak freely in a world where other people understand that they're not the only ones in existence. Yeah, of course. I, I, you know, I, you know, I have nieces and nephews and I worry about that day, that day that they, they challenge the teacher and say, that's not true. It's just, it's just simply not true. And the way you're presenting it is not the reality of the situation. And then what happens? And then are they getting, are they in trouble because of the way that they did that versus the fact that what they're saying is the truth, right? right. And are they expelled? Because right. they're five times more likely to be expelled than a white kid sure. just on, on regular BS, but challenging the teacher is just like, oh my God, you know. You know, <laughs> I know a, a lot of my <laughs> friends, a lot of the, the, the women that I grew up with, because mm -hmm. I grew up, I went to a very um, uh, multicultural, um, diverse school mm -hmm. uh, in high school and um, elementary. And one of my friends, one of my good friends decided she wasn't sending her kids to public school. She just wasn't doing it. What, you know, because what what is really happening to my child in those spaces, right? right. What are they actually being taught? Are they being taught about themselves? Or are they being taught about themselves through a particular lens that, you know what I mean, that places them in a particular space? And she really set her children into more Afrocentric you know, an Afrocentric understanding of the world yes. through, through education. And it, it's just setting that foundation, I think, right. was key. When I was growing up, yeah, no, none of the education I received was, uh, you know, specific to my Blackness. But my parents went out of their way, and they made us watch documentaries, and we talked about it, and we discussed what happened. And we had a right. clear understanding of all of the different movements over time. That was my parents' felt it was their responsibility to make sure that we knew that because the schools weren't going to do it. Exactly. I, I mean, and what is the thing about black history? The shortest day of the month? I mean, yes. the, the shortest month of the year? Mm -hmm. Seriously? Mm -hmm. And black mm -hmm. history is every day? Mm -hmm. But I relegating mean, it, relegating it to a month makes, you know, it, it's a to appease, right? Because what? Black History Month was originally a week. And it was about, it was originally set up as sort of a, we need to start talking about our history. We need to start understanding our history, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was expanded to a month and it was discussed on a larger scale. It's important, but why is it that it's, it's another version? Of, it started off with a very sound reason is what I'm trying to say. It started yeah. off with a very clear reason, understanding we need to spend time better understanding our history because they're not going to do it. We need to focus right. in on this, but it's been commercialized commodified right and, and, and really you know it's it's about selling stuff and about getting speakers and about you know these things that are so you know it's, it's they're important right True. but it's also a level level of uh othering right we're we're mm -hmm. the other we're yeah. other than our history is separate our understanding of the world is separate I see Black History Month as a celebration, and that's what I spend a lot of my time. I don't talk about, you know what I mean? I try to focus on joy 
And because that's yeah. radical for us, right? To be it joyous is. is a radical act for black people. And so I spot, try to spend a lot of time on that. But in reality, we should be talking about these things all the time. Just the same right. as we should be talking about Native Americans and you know right. indigenous exactly. peoples all the time. Right, but it should be part of American history. Right, but this is all of these things were in response to a education system and a in a society that excluded. Right, so we had to say we need it. Look, we need a week. We need some time. We need a month. We should be looking at these things. We should know these things. And now you're not including them, and you're not going to. Right. Then that's a part of a much larger structure. So here we need this time. We need this space. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this space adapts to what they call Black history as critical race theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just, you know, just it's just outright ignorance, right? Like, that's not it, even it really what it is. is. It's it just straight really up ignorance. ignorance. It is. It is. Um, you know, it, it's the most disturbing thing of it all is deciding that that's what this is. They The term that already has a definition, that we all understand what it actually is, and then making a decision about what they think it is, and then railing against it without yeah. really understanding. It's, it's oh. ignorant. It's the height of ignorance. It Change. is, because, girl, they've changed the rules down here with the kids learning uh, in Georgia um, where they cannot teach CRT. I was like, first of all... I, that's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. You know, you didn't even know what CRT was mm -hmm. until you read, um, what's the sister's name? Nicole, who wrote the 1619 Project, and you got yes. all bent in shape about that. And then you decided to run with it, you know. But you never decided to talk to the people that, I think it's a black woman and it's a man. I can't remember yep. the names, but I've seen them on TV always talking about the history of it and how they came up with critical race theory, which is, you know, what they teach usually in law school. But um, yeah. I was just like, this is insane, you know, and everybody is afraid of anything black, but everything you do is black. Your music, your movement, your swag, you know, your rhymes, you know, everything you do is yeah. like your commercials used to hate rap music. And now every time you see a commercial is one yeah. of them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It, it It's an evolution, but we're good for entertainment purposes. But what else? You want the Basically. rhythm, right? You know that quote, right. you want the rhythm yeah, and none of the blues. The yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. You but it's, it's, it's all in response to people waking up and making decisions that they're no longer going to see the world the way someone else wants them to see it. That's really what it is, right? People waking up and saying, ah, this isn't right. Right. And our children should be understand the truth of this and should we we should be looking at our policies and practices and procedures and thinking things different thinking about things differently and people are like but wait a minute i'm gonna lose something right this is all about a loss this is all about it loss right, right in right. terms of white supremacy and in terms of hierarchy it's about loss i'm gonna lose something i'm gonna lose my place in this food chain if you start to move <laughs> things around right that's the reality that's the truth oh, of it. Oh, oh it is it is and they're starting with you know because they figure if they can control white women, they're not even worried about the black. You know what I mean? Cause they, you know, so that, that's where they're starting, you know, with the abortion rights and blah, 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 and shut it down. And I even heard one man made the most ludicrous comment in the world, this politician. He said, and women really don't need to have the right to drive. 
That's that's. I mean, and I was just like, seriously, <laughs> what? Um, were you abused by your mom when you were little? What happened? So depressing. It's so otherworldly. It's so otherworldly. It's so. I mean, some of the stuff they say doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? At some point, you just have to sort of like I have to quote Forrest Gump: "Stupid is a stupid." <laughs> but it, it, you know what? It does make sense. It does make sense. Because if you think about the evangelical Christian right, this is exactly what they want. A return to a time where women were in the homes and men were out, you know what I mean? White men in particular were out making the money and supporting their, 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 it's a return to a time in which they were the the center of Mm. it all. Right. Yes, and creeping in the back door with the with the sisters. Oh, right. Oh, oh always. Not, but that's but always the talk case. about that. Right. No, no, no. That's that's just always the case. Right. You know, we can't talk about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, will, we will pretend like that is not a thing. Right. Because right? you know, so you're taking us back to what was it, three fifths or one fifth of a person or three fifths of a person that we were, and when you initially wrote the Constitution, that we really weren't all that. So is that where you're supposed to take us to? Because it's too late. The genie's out the bottle it and totally we're not is. going back. You know? I think but I think that's a really, it's really important to, to really think about it that way. Because I think our instant, you know, when I talk to my friends, we're like, this is crazy. This is insane. It, you know what? It's not. If you place it within the context and you understand how these structures work together, how patri- you know, patriarchy and, you yes. know, and, and capitalism and all of these things work together, then you, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. It does. It does, it does when you put you it know? that way. You yeah, know it, it makes it. complete sense. Yes, because, Um, you know, control, you know, not being the dominant, uh, the alpha male, it's probably very disturbing and nerve wracking to them. You know, you've got your kids who talk back, you know, they start that at the age three. So, (laughs) (laughs) you you know what I mean? When black moms give a look and be like, you know, there's just, it's just, it just keeps going. It keeps going. I mean, you know, so, I mean you just feel like you're just all out of control. And so if you follow the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and live directly by that, and you're supposed to basically do the kitchen and the bedroom, you know, and do as I say, as I do, and I should be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, as long as I make sure that you are taken care of, at least you have a roof over your head. Yeah. And that, you know, the truth of the matter is, if you really want to understand it, those situations were always rare for black households, right? That's a very, you know, that, you know, mom, dad, picket fence, you know, 2.5 kids, that was never (laughs) meant for us. You know what I mean? That was never about us. Right, they actually had government, they had laws, they had structures to make sure that didn't happen. That's why they did blind everything, exactly. And not, and so, oh, not only that, right? But, and that's why you know, I like to talk a lot about you know, womanism versus feminism and and how Mm -hmm. really you know that that never looked the same for us. We sought it, we wanted it because we thought it was our path to more, right? And to stability. And I get that. Right. And more but importantly, it, acceptance, because at that yes, time, you want we it. just wanted to be part of You want in the house. You want yeah. in the house, right? Yep. And I get that. 
But women, black women were always at the core of the families of black families because they had to be. Yeah. And that started during slavery time when they were using the men to breed. And even though he wanted to stay with his family, he was dragged off to, to have more babies because that would be better workers or whatever, right. and then move him on. And, and that was his job. There's a long, so long legacy. It's stuck. It's stuck that I'm not right. supposed to just be here, here, here. You know what I mean? Because that's all they've known. It's a long, long legacy of that. It is. Right? It is. It is. And it our is. families don't look the same in some instances, right? They might, they might not look the same. And there's a lot of shame that's, that's connected with that. There's a lot of, you know what I mean? And some instances, yeah. a lot of trauma that's connected with that. But it all comes down to centering whiteness and making a decision that your response to centered whiteness is not to manage your blackness. <laughs> so I'm gonna bring it back to that, right? Exactly. Your response to centered whiteness, to under your understanding of the world through a white, under, you know, a white lens, is not about managing your blackness. Your blackness, right? It's and about also, being black, being black, and are. staying black. Oh, that's right? another, that's another also, topic. Right? <laughs> that is a whole other topic. <laughs> and also, right, and understanding that blackness doesn't look the same for different, you know what I mean? It's not the same. Exactly. My blackness doesn't look like your blackness. Like you Trans right. blackness doesn't look the same, right? right? Lesbian blackness doesn't, doesn't look, the, look same. the same. Christian, they don't look the same. And that's perfectly acceptable. And that's perfectly fine. How right. I decide to stay black is my business. Right. 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 That's and it. how you decide to be black and how you decide to manage that is your business. Right. But what I'm telling you right now <laughs> is you is for me, I'm like, look, you better seek, you better seek the peace you need in your blackness because you're not gonna find it anywhere else and they're not gonna give it to you. No, no, you're not. You're not. So there is no need in you trying to be something that you're truly not meant to be. You know, I tell everybody, God made us all like ice cream. There's a flavor for everybody. And that's how that goes, you know. <laughs> and I think, you know, and I think we we have to be careful that we don't we don't hurt each other. With, I mean, yeah, that's my next. You know I mean, we said that before. I talked to you about that before. It's, it's, we yeah. we hurt each other. Look at her. Look at her over there being ghetto and loud and silly. Look at that. She ain't gonna get nowhere. She ain't gonna get nothing. Look at that. Right, right. We hurt we each other. It. Right? We set our standards based on what the other, the next black girl looks like or behaves like without realizing they deserve to be respected however they show up. However they show up, they deserve to be respected. Yeah. As yeah. do we. True. This because is true. when we when we're when we start to harm each other through this lens, we are again centering whiteness. We're doing the work for them. Yeah. Yep, we are. We are. Because, I mean, as women, that seems to be a big thing, you know. Uh, mm, she's a little too ghetto. She's not that. She's not that. You know, oh, look at her. She thinks she's cute. She thinks she's better than... I mean, just this, just stupid stuff. Yeah. You know, because, like I said, we, we all bleed red blood, you know. And all of us have our own... There's something unique and special about every last one of us. Despite what we think about what's wrong with whoever. You know, so what if she's loud? Maybe her voice is her gift. <laughs> I mean, you talk about managing blackness. I remember going to a, a session um, 
I went to a, a it was a New York State session on James Baldwin, who's like my favorite oh, author, right? Oh, like he's oh, just I'm like not my favorite, yeah, favorite yeah. author. Everybody and, loved him. <laughs> oh, James Baldwin is the best. And because he was so radical and he was so out loud about everything. He was. It was, it was beautiful and it was amazing. And it was a session and, and we were talking about, we were going to implement sessions on our different campuses or anywhere where we were, where we were reading mm -hmm. James Baldwin's work and talking about it, right? And talking about it as a community. And we're in this room and we're talking about blackness and we're talking about what it's like to be in different spaces. And I raised the point, I said, you notice, you know, I found myself being in spaces and saying, hello, my name is Alicia Richardson and I'm from such and such a, and you know, and, and how the, even that, right. Managing my tone of voice is about managing my blackness. Right. And once I re again, once I realized that I was as loud as I wanted to be wherever I needed to be <laughs> it, right. Because I'm not, because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Can't be too loud. Can't gesture too much. Can't, you know, wear my hair too much to the left. You know what I mean? Too big, you know, right. got to make sure I'm dressed just right. What are we really doing to ourselves? Right. In the name of what? Girl, I had my neighbor say to me one day, she says, what happened to your hair? It's, it's, I said, it's beautiful. She's like, it's not straight and, and curly anymore. I said, no, it's not. I like it like this. You know, of course she was white. She, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, when I tell you, Alicia, she harped on this for like 20 minutes. She just couldn't <laughs> understand, you know, and here's this 80 year old woman probably having flashbacks when she sees this afro. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was just like, mm. and, and I really started digging it even more. I was like, oh, well, she's a little uncomfortable. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because now what I tell, um, you know, and I'm just, I'm brutally honest with it when it comes to the whites. You know, I'll say if they're uncomfortable, I'm like, oh, you're having your first experience being black. <laughs> yes, you are. You are. We've yeah. been like that for centuries. You when know? I'm, yeah, yeah, when I'm giving a, a session or I'm giving a training and, you know, we're discussing things and people start to shift a little bit. And I say to them, I say, I, because it's not enough to just be uncomfortable. You have to interrogate why you are uncomfortable. That's where the growth happens. That's where the learning happens. So I would say yeah. to them, feel what you're feeling, understand what you're feeling, and then interrogate it. Don't just say, oh, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to get up. No, why am I uncomfortable in this moment? What about this is making me question things? Why? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And why? If you're not willing to do that kind of work, I really don't want to have anything to do with you, frankly. Because that, no, seriously, because that's the work we need as a society. If you're just going right. to be, uh, you know, just, just fear the, the discomfort that's connected with interrogating and having someone tell you about yourself to your face, mm. then I don't have any time for you. Listen right. to what's being said. You feel uncomfortable. Sit in it. Stop. Think. Think it through. And if you have to come back to it later, because for me, you know, I'm constantly thinking about these things. I'm constantly thinking about my experiences. You might come back to it later, but sit for a moment in that discomfort and interrogate it a little bit. Yeah. And ask yourself, seriously, okay, but, but why am I uncomfortable? What What is it that makes me uncomfortable? Is it the way they're looking? Is it something mm -hmm. they said? Is it the silent gestures? 
what is it that is making me uncomfortable? Make me feel like I don't belong. And that's not just for white people. That's for black people. For black too. people too. Yeah. Because, you know, I remember one of my friends telling me, uh, she was like, you know, when I decided to go natural, she was like, I, you know, it was, it was my black boyfriend who told me he didn't like it and that it wasn't beautiful. He was like, it, she was like, it was the white men who were like, you look really nice. That looks really good on you. She was like, it was the black men who were saying, I don't, I don't like that. I don't. And, and you know, so it comes. She's to, right. She's right. Okay. Right. And it comes to such deeply internalized racism and hatred that we never stop to interrogate. Right. right. We never stop to think about why we think straightened hair is prettier. Right. We never stop to think about that. We just did it. And that's just what we, you know what I mean? What happened right, right? now? Right. I've done it because on an intellectual level in, in grad school, I spent a lot of time talking about hair. It was the reason why I went to grad school because I wanted to better understand and understand how our hair is connected to our oh, oppression yeah. and our liberation. Right. Like exactly. I wanted to understand it better. And so hearing people talk about it and say, you know, black men in particular, I don't really like, you know, I don't really like that. But why? <laughs> right? Like, but are you interrogating that? Are you thinking that through a little bit? Are you saying that aesthetically, the hair that, that comes, that grows out of a black woman's hair is unattractive to you in its natural state? That says a whole lot right there. That says a whole lot if you're uncomfortable with that because of what great is his. <laughs> you know right, right why are you uncomfortable with your blackness so then think about that right so then think about how whiteness is connected to femininity mm. right so then you start thinking about how it's okay for black men to have dreads and to have their hair a certain way in certain circumstances and you know whatever because then that gets that gets complicated too right because then then it's not in corporate situations some people feel like they can't have their hair any way they want to particularly men but mm -hmm. when you start to think about it, femininity gets caught. Are you feminine? Are you attractive? And is that attractiveness in relation to your proximity to whiteness? Uh, I, I love this stuff. God, let me tell you something. I can talk about this stuff all day. Yes, yes. And see, and that those are the kind of conversations that me, you, my sister, we have all day, every yeah. day. Like, why is that you know why why are you uncomfortable why are you thinking that way you know and i've often felt that way about you know some brothers who will only date white women but you know and i'm just like uh, mm, not that i'm interested in you but i'm just curious to know why and your mother is yeah black. how did you get there how did yeah, how, I mean, how that happen you what because it opened some doors for privilege for you right. for now for now particularly athletes for now you know or is it okay for a woman who is your mother to be black and incomplete in her blackness but but not the woman who you go to bed with at night who you're attracted to Right. So are you feeding into your understanding your and so that's that's a really important part, too, because a lot of people don't understand the mammy. You know what I mean? They don't understand those mm. stereotypes. They don't even understand that they're they're perpetuating them. Right. So is it OK for your mother who washed your clothes and who fed you and who took care of you to be a black woman, but not the woman 
who is going to take care of your children and birth your children and take care of your home. Right? Stereotypically. <laughs> Come right? on, girl. Come on. We said this would be fun, did we not? <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes back to what? Managing your blackness. Yeah. You know? Understanding, or blackness, understanding yeah. it really is is the is the key understanding it you know i I mean you you need to learn to be comfortable in your own space and when you're uncomfortable in your own space you need to take time to figure out why why where what are the origins of that where did that come from right right Right? that's all i ask personally that's all i ask and if at the end of the day you come down to i'm not uncomfortable or i'm you know this is just whatever then fine but if you've done the work you've actually started to think through the way that these structures and these systems impact how you see yourself and how you view the people who look like you around you. I think that's one of the most damaging things. Um, You know, colonization, white supremacy, damage. I mean, so deeply damaging. It erased. I saw this tweet the other day that talked about it. It erased cultures. It erased traditions. It erased all of those things, those, the love that we have for ourselves, it erased them from so many groups of people. And you know, I thought about that too, because um, I was thinking, I was sitting here thinking one day and I was trying to, before I came up with this and I said, we are the only people who don't know our own languages. I, I mean, think about that. We're African Americans and we do not know our own history. It's so scattered to try to put together your family tree to figure out where everybody is and and who they were, you know. But and I I look at this stuff on Ancestry and I see these commercials and their their trees are just nicely done and it's all organized, but not us. We can't find us, you know, which is sad. Truly, truly sad, you know. I think you froze on me, girl. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're back. You went away. You went away for a minute. Well, so did you. So I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's sad that we don't know who our people are. We have to really, really dig deep to find our history. We, our children aren't taught our language a native language, you know, just like some of the, you know, the Italian kids, they know their heritage, Jewish kids, (laughs) the Swedish, German, they have their little celebrations within the months in their communities. I mean, we just got Juneteenth. And even that is highly performative. And Mm. you know what I mean? And was a gesture of appeasement. And it was. And look, it's an important, it's an important thing. It really yeah. is. It's important for us to understand. It's important, uh, you know what I mean, moments to stop and think. But really, we we asked for everything. And that's what they gave us? <laughs> we were asking for equitable treatment. We're asking for reparations. We're asking for justice. Right. And we get a day on a calendar. And, and you know, look, thank you. That's nice. But what about the actual tangible things that are going to impact the way I go through this this world in this country? Yeah. What about affordable housing? What about that? Because now you've got all these people that have bought up everything, you know, and kicking renters out their homes and the the cost of an apartment, a decent one is up in the 
thousands of dollars. I mean, you're, you have permanently set it up so that there is always a poorer class That's right. and they are black, That's right. you know, and they are black. And that is very disturbing, very disturbing. You know? That's you know I used to tell people that all the time. I'm like you you have to understand. <laughs> I was like capitalism does not allow for everyone to be okay. That's not how capitalism works. Somebody's got to be struggling. Somebody's got to be poor. Somebody has to need. That's how it works. That's the structure of it, right? So how is it that we have become the most economically you know disenfranchised in general? Politics mm-hmm. and slavery, right? And racism and discrimination. That's how. And how it's so deeply ingrained in all of our structures, right? It's not just about the overt racism. It's not about the, the racism in your face. It's the racism and the inequity and the structures that create barriers for you to get to the things you need to be more successful. Exactly. Because a black person can have the same exact credit score as someone who is white they can get in, move up, they work with them. The rest is it's a denial. Let me tell you, there's a movie on YouTube called um, White Like Me. Mm-hmm. They interviewed um, all these white people from different backgrounds or whatever, whatever. And they were talking about racism. And, and they were all saying in their own way um yeah but the lowest person on the whole totem pole it's the blacks it's the mexicans and then the blacks the blacks are always going to be the lowest because they want too much Mm. and this one woman said that she and her husband both were unemployed for years the bank gave them a loan to buy a house systems and structures I, me and my husband nearly fell out. <laughs> I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, what? Systems and structures. And, 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 that and, and she, told, she said, no, they'll never do that for black people. That, you know, why would they need a house? They don't have a job. Mm-hmm. But it didn't, she couldn't relate to the fact that her or her husband hadn't had a job for years. They just went to the bank and they signed the papers and gave them the loan. No. <laughs> And what that makes me think of again, and what I'm going to go back to is something I said earlier, which is that the fact that my parents had to deal with stuff like that and that my grandparents had to deal with even worse mm-hmm. and that, um, and that they had they had to see themselves through these lenses and had to change who they were in certain circumstances in order to get what they needed is another exact reason why I refuse to do it where I refuse to I I owe it to them to right. be complete in my blackness yes. whenever and wherever I can I do we do we owe it to them <laughs> we really do we really do because the stuff that they went through I remember my grandfather used to um, tell us stories that if a white woman walked past them they had to cross the street yeah they literally had to cross the street and their eyes had to be down they could not look at them. Right. You, you, you know, and I'm just like, I, I can't even imagine. First of all, it's a natural instinct or reflex to just look at somebody. 
but this was detrimental to your health. This was a life and death situation. Life and, so you, so, so, and this is where I start to, this is where I get angry. Cause it's like, wait a minute, you have a movie coming out, a movie. It might be out by now. I don't even know. Cause I refuse to watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, Emmett Till, right. You, you're, com- you're, you're making that wow. something where people can watch it. And I get it. There are educational purposes for some of these things, but let me tell you something. I'm not watching it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I appreciate the sentiment, but I'm not doing it because at the end of the day, you want me to have you put on film, my people being lynched, my people being harassed, my people being murdered. And I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to watch and I'm supposed to enjoy and I'm supposed to eat my popcorn and sip my soda. And I'm supposed to come to work tomorrow and smile in your face and be, and be, and be someone else. You got to be kidding. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Well, the, 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 yeah, but Emmett Hill, I think some people need to watch. And I'll tell you why. First of all, it was his mother who did that. Now, what is even more disturbing is that they found the warrant that they were going to serve on the mm-hmm. woman who is still alive. She is. And nobody has served her with the warrant. Let me tell you something. Look, look, look. You know, I'm just... I studied... No, I get it. I went through Africana studies. I right. studied these things. I've read about these things. I've seen the pictures. I've been to the museum. I've seen the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But these people have turned it... You know, all of it, in one form or another, right? Into a means of something to watch and engage it in a way that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. I'm not comfortable with it. And so it's not for me. Right. Right. But this idea that we're supposed to sit back and, and watch these things and look, she should be served. Look, the the fact that this is even still a thing is, is just the most disturbing, you know I mean? One of the most disturbing things, right? All of this should happen. I understand that, but we have turned, I mean, I, you know, I taught a, um, a black, uh, I co-taught a black literature and, and history through film with mm-hmm. a colleague of mine. And we would read a text and then we would watch the film adaptation, right? And discuss, you know, the literary concepts through the literature and then how the film adaptation either, you know, makes it stronger or whatever. And we read 12 Years a Slave, right? Oh, and then, girl. Okay. And so Ooh. I'm sitting in this room with these five white kids who are honor student, and I'm teaching this course with this this other woman, um, who's a white woman, and we go to watch the film, and we we watched. I think we watched that film independently, and then oh. we came together to talk about it. And I had to say to them, I said, "Look, I had nightmares. This is not, you know, what I mean, some right. some <laughs> random a conversation. This is not randomness. This is not some abstract film that's separate from me, right? And my being and my understanding of the world and my history. This is not separate." I don't Look, get to we have one of our viewers who said, she says, I liken it to the lynching postcards. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. There you go. I'm not doing it. And I had to explain to them. I only did it because I wanted to be able to discuss it with them in this, this setting, in this classroom for educational purposes. Otherwise, I'm not doing it enough. Right. But on yeah. top of that, this is this is what I'm saying. It's compounded. Right. That uh-huh. These films are created. Right. They're blockbuster commercialized and i'm not talking necessarily about emmett till i'm talking right. about you know 12 years later i'm talking yeah. about you know and i understand that people taking content in different ways they learn yeah. history through different you know what i mean through different right. things i get that 
But I'm you telling me I'm supposed to go watch this film about Harriet Tubman, okay? <laughs> or watch this film about Twelve Years Later. Watch this film, and I'm supposed to come to work, and you want me to figure out how to lower my voice? <laughs> Give me a break! Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh yeah, because Twelve Years a Slave was way too much. Every time I think about it, I get mad. I cannot see that movie again. You know, ever, just... ever again. I saw it once. That was enough. And I can pinpoint the images that stay with me. You want to talk about trauma, right? You want to talk about re-traumatization? Ooh, wish they right? beat her, girl. Please. Or when they mm. were literally him. This this man. I can't. I have to go there because it just it just it angers me every yeah. single time. This man being hung but not enough to kill him but enough to keep him in place and these people the world just going on around him while he's teetering between life and death and death right and i'm supposed to go home and say wow that was a that was a great movie four stars (laughs) and then go to work and you ask me could you you know i'm not sure your hair is the most professional that it could be (laughs) like i can't i can't i can't can't do it can't do it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Even Roots, even Roots. One of our viewers, she said Roots was too much for her too. She can't watch it either. I yeah. got through. I, I, I made it a part of one of the courses I taught. I you, regularly when I was teaching, I would teach African American literature, and I taught, you know, through the slave narratives. I didn't, I didn't show them the whole thing, and I didn't watch the whole thing because I couldn't make it. The, the newer version, the updated version. Mm-hmm. Um the dramatization of the transatlantic slave trade. I was like, okay, that's, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. This is, it's and, and I, again, again, it is under, it's important to understand the reality of the situation and to understand what happened. These uh, people should know, they should see, they should understand, right? But I know I don't need to see. Right. Okay? And I don't need to see it that way to remember it and to remember what my people went through. Okay. Yeah. I don't like me. I, I mean, there are certain um, areas like I was riding through um, Mississippi with a friend girl and I swear to God coming through one of those dark roads and there's nothing but those trees on both sides. And all I could hear is like drums from 450 years ago. It's just oh. like, you know, you know, this is where yes. they hung us. Yes. It's just like, she's like, what's the matter? I said, I just feel so sad and then heartbroken i said because i know they're here and they have hung it's just like uh billy holiday strange fruit yeah just hanging from the trees girl and i'm just like i don't know how you could even stay down here i said that to a friend we were driving through we were in maryland uh-huh. um and i you know i've been through the deep south i have family deep deep south uh-huh. and and i said you don't you guys don't feel that i was like you don't feel how haunted these spaces are, these woods are. I, I said, no one can convince me that black people don't feel that. When we walk into these spaces, we feel it, we know. It's well, we don't feeling. go into the woods, okay? Well, one thing, we, we don't go into the woods. But... We don't go hunting with you either, okay? There'll be no mistaken shots, boo. None of no, that. right? Uh-uh. But when, you know, I, we were driving through and I was like, mm. You see some pictures and you're like, mm, right. I know what right. happened there, right? You right. know what happened there. You, just feel it. you know what's really interesting is that I think that that's really related to the topic too. 
Yeah. Right. That's a part of your blackness. That's a part it of is. understanding who you are. It's a part of your, your understanding your history in this place. How do you manage that? Yeah. How do you manage the sorrow? How do you manage the, the trauma? How do you manage, you know, all of the things that come with that? Oh yeah, um, girl. I mean, yeah. I still get incense down here every now and then they'll have some, some crazy person will have an antebellum party. Like okay. that was such you know, and I'm like, seriously, you know, dressing up like Gone with the Wind. I don't know nothing about both and no babies. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. I, I'm like, and see, and see, here's the thing. This is what's really interesting to me is that really what's happened is that people are getting upset because we're calling that stuff out. Exactly. People are getting upset because we're saying, what are you doing? Do you not understand? Could you please, do you please, right? We're not even begging anymore. We're saying yeah. absolutely not. That is inappropriate. Sure. We're not standing for it. Exactly. Right? And that's really what we're dealing with. People and are like, they're making me, they're making me question. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm like, really? Throwing them out You're enjoying this? You're, you exactly. know, you're, you know, and it's just like my husband and I were watching this program one night. And the the white man said, he said, well, uh, our Negras are happy Negras. Yes. You know, they, they, you know, they stay in their place. They come to work. They go home and, you know, they're not loud and all over the place. And I'm just like, see, first of all, you refer <laughs> to them as our Negras. Ownership. Yes. In 1956. Mm -hmm. I'm like, mm-mm. Mm -mm, mm -mm, but see, mm -mm. to me, right, the at the end of the day, and this is connected to a conversation, too, right? They were you could let's let's say they were happy. Let's say that this this lie that they don't put out. Our, our slaves, ours, they were happy people. They we fed them and we gave them a place to stay. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We raped them every once in a while. But, you know, we took care of them. Girl, right? look, how is enslaved and raped? That's an oxymoron. Okay, thank you. thank you, thank you. But an what I'm telling, right? But what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, they would have given it all up for their freedom. They yes, wanted they their freedom more than they more wanted than you, right? To think of them in, in any way, they wanted right. their freedom, and that's what this comes down to for me. Where are you finding freedom in your blackness? Where are you allowing yourself to be free? Because all of these constraints are all about conforming to a structure we were never meant to make it through. We were never meant to be a part of. Because it was never designed for us or intended it for us in the beginning. It never From was. It never was. So what are you really doing? What are you really <laughs> doing to yourself? Because at this point, you're you're aiding and abetting, right? Because now, Ooh. and that's a really interesting part about <laughs> it, right? Because now when you have black people in higher up in you know situations and leadership positions who are oppressing people of color below them, they're just upholding the structure. Yes. And they right? are. They are. They do but they're it. dying on the inside because they're talking about it to their friends and everybody else, but they are trying to maintain this image and this facade about what it is and how it should be when it, when it never really was. It, it this, never really was. It never really was. It wasn't meant for us. I spent a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I taught English and writing courses for a long time. And 
And I had to really stop and think about how it is that I was a part of a structure that was oppressing mm -hmm. my people. And when I say my people, I don't necessarily just mean black people. I mean, poor people. I mean, people of color. I mean, marginalized groups. Exactly. Right. Right. And how these structures trying to make them all sound the same, particularly in writing, particularly in language. Yes. Right? And I had to stop and say, look, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. How you want to show up in this room is your decision. And I'm going to grade you based on the work that you do and how authentic you feel you are being in any given situations. What do you want to learn how to do? See? Right. What do you want to yeah. be your best? And do you want to better understand how English standard grammar works so you can make a decision about when you're going to use it and when you aren't? Hmm. Right. Right. So I can help you do those things, but I don't want you to ever think that who you are, who you decide to show up as in this space is less than anyone else. Boom. That's it right, right there. That's it right there, girl. That is it. Well, Queen Alicia, you have <laughs> educated, empowered, and elevated us to the next level, baby. I mean, this has just been awesome. I mean, a lot of fun, had yeah. an engaging audience where people are typing in stuff that I'm trying to read and be like, okay, yeah. okay, you know, but um, yes, this was a conversation that needed to be had and there was nobody designated for such a task as this than you, baby, nobody. Thank but you. I thank you. You have been an awesome, awesome guest. And you guys, if you need to reach her, reach out and what, how can they reach you? Cause you know, they got questions. <laughs> Well, um, that's a really good question. I guess my email address? Yes, email. email? Yeah, my email address. Okay. Um, that's a great way to get in contact with me. Um, okay. And I well, can give that to you, you if you want. want. Yeah. You're welcome. To, you can email me and I will send you the information on how to reach her. She's an excellent, fabulous speaker, especially when it comes to blackness, baby. She is all that and then some and some other things. She's <laughs> super talented and super gifted and we love her. And Queen, thank you. Thank you so much for being on her story because you so rock, girl. You just like, thank you I mean, so everybody much. who's on here has not left. Okay. <laughs> Great conversation, ladies, you know, yeah. because this is the real stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? This is the stuff that we need to hear and that we all think about, mm -hmm. you know, and try to figure out what the heck, what the hell, you know? Yeah. So this was great. And I thank you. Thank you so much. You were thank awesome. Thank you for having me. And I will talk with you soon. Definitely. All right. Take bye care. Bye thank you. Bye-bye uh -huh. now. Bye. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to her story. Um, Queen Alicia Richardson was just like off the chain. Awesome. And just kicking that knowledge like it was nobody's business and very engaging and very personable. We love her. Um, so, like I said, tune in to her story next week. We'll be back here next week and we'll have another hot topic for you with another hot guest. Um, in the meantime, go over to herstory.agency, write your comments, let us know, and don't forget to go to Spotify or Anchor, Apple or Google to check out the podcast and make sure you subscribe. And again, I'm Kimberly Pinkston with Her Story. It has been my pleasure. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Good night.